Are you a CrossFit coach or maybe a box owner looking to learn more about nutrition? You want to help support the athletes that come to your box, maybe have some one-on-one clients. And we all know nutrition is the foundation. We all talk about the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. And nutrition is at the base. It's like building a house. You can't build the attic first. You can't worry about performance and sport without working on the foundation. And that's what nutrition is. So maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a box owner, maybe you're just an athlete looking to potentially earn a little more income, develop a new income stream as a nutrition coach. Well, you could check out the Own Your Eating Certificate course. We review fundamental nutrition principles, as well as teaching you how to implement flexible eating, that's macro counting, and assist others with their tracking of macros. The cool thing about it is you're going to learn so much for yourself. Even if you didn't want to coach anyone else, but you simply wanted to learn more about tracking macros, you will get so much out of this course. It'll be the last thing you ever have to read, study, purchase, because you're going to get so much information. As well as sharing nutrition experience with you, Own Your Eating will also teach you how to coach others so that you can really make a difference with the people in your community and your lives. Maybe you need to finally get your mom to track macros. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you you put on the quarantine 15 and you're looking to just lose a few LBs, a few pounds yourself. This will teach you all of that. And the cool thing about macros, the cool thing about the way in which we at On Your Eating teach you is it's really sustainable. The business setup and marketing strategies are also included. So if you do really want to make this a side deal or a side hustle, You'll, you'll have all the tools you'll ever need to do. And in addition to that, if you're a level three CrossFit coach, you can earn CEUs to help you revalidate. And we also give CEUs for NASM as well as AFA. So you can check that out. For me, every few years, I need to re-up my L4, you know, no big deal, L4 coach, but this will help you do it. So If you're interested in learning more about the Own Your Eating Certificate course, you can go to courses.ownyoureating.com. Or if you just go to ownyoureating.com, right up in the header there, it says become a coach. You can click on that. And with the code BESTHOUR, that's B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, BESTHOUR, you'll get 15% off. Go check it out now. I was the one, along with Roz, who helped put this all together. So... I really understand that if you have questions for me about it, of course, you can reach out, but I really believe in it. I've put hundreds of people through this course. It's the way I learned how to track macros. It's the way I've been tracking macros for over five years, and I think you will absolutely love it. So go check it out again, courses.ownyoureating.com, and use that code BESTHOUR for 15% off. All right, welcome back to the show, best hour of their day. In an effort to help coaches, to help affiliate owners improve their gym and their bottom dollar, we have another great guest, Greg Mack, exerciseproed.com. So welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks, I really appreciate it, Jason. My privilege to be on. Well, you were referred to, like we were saying, from a, a dear friend and someone I admire in the fitness world, Chris Spigner out of uh, Seven Mile Strength and Conditioning or CrossFit Seven Mile. Actually, the box my wife was going to when I met her. So oh, you know, there's that connection. We've 
we've recently had on a few guests that have tried to help CrossFit coaches and affiliate owners become better at sales. Like I was telling you before we hit record, it's one of those areas in the CrossFit world, especially, and I would venture to say the entire fitness world, For sure. where you just kind of like, we learn about the bicep and we learn about how to squat, but no one's like, hey, here's how you actually get those clients that you want to teach those movements to. So tell me more about your background. How did you how did you get involved in the aspect of selling in the fitness world? I assume it started with, like me, you just got involved in exercise, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I can't believe it's that long ago. And then figured out, hey, I need to learn how to sell. Is that is that the case for you? Yeah, uh, Jason, pretty much. Uh, you know, I've, I've been actually in the business for 30 years coming up on it. So quite some time. Uh, I um, had graduated from the Navy's nuclear engineering school served on board a fast attack nuclear submarine as a mechanical engineer in the engineering spaces for a few years. And that was one, a of my, one of my coaches was on a nuke as well. Great friend. And he's out here in Colorado. Did oh, you do the whole like six hour shifts or something, 18 hour days or something? Of course. Yes. Uh, yeah. At a minimum, right. The, the, the schedule on board a submarine or any, you know, military vessel for that matter. Uh, at least at sea, when we were at sea, it was 18-hour rotation days. Yeah, six hours of sleep, six hours of watch, six hours of work, uh, and it just repeated again. Although, you know, often there was work to do and studying to do and qualifications, so you often didn't sleep for 24 hours or, or more. So uh, drilling, constant drilling. Uh, so, uh, yeah, very difficult, challenging lifestyle. And I was also a Navy diver, uh, qualified on my submarine. So, uh, I had extra duties, uh, in that regard. So, so you finished the Navy and then what was your first well, while venture I was, into the yeah, world while, of fitness? Yeah. While I was in the service, uh, I mean, the, the military has excellent, you know, intramural leagues and sports programs. And, you know, we had a team, I was lucky on my command. We had a lot of very athletic active, uh, guys and we were always working out together and played sports together. And, um, you know, as a Navy diver, I had to stay in physical shape professionally. I had to meet very rigorous physical readiness requirements every quarter, what you guys now call functional training. We were doing 40 years ago, uh, which was functional training, right? Push-ups and running and burpees and flutter kicks and all that stuff. Uh, and so I had to stay in shape. And so um, while I was uh, serving on board the sub, um, both as an engineer, as a diver, um, and being an athlete and participating in sports and working out, um, the military has a program in the Navy at the time we affectionately called, you know, the fat boy program. I think it's shaming and not politically correct now, but, you know, regular personnel that didn't have special duty requirements physically had to meet annual physical readiness requirements, a run and I think push-ups and sit-ups or something like that. And if you failed that, uh, then you were put in kind of mandatory remedial conditioning. You had to, you know, work out three days a week until you could pass this test. Well, there were guys in, in my command who uh, failed. And so they would come and ask me and, you know, a couple of other shipmates what they should do, you know, to get in shape. And, you know, I tell them what I was doing and, you know, what I had to do and started helping them. And that led to us, you know, ordering and reselling nutritional supplements and, protein powders and weight belts and gloves because they were asking about all that 
So that's kind of where I got the entrepreneurial bug uh, because then I, you know, had a little side business going with one of my, my dive, my fellow divers and, and we were making a little bit of money. <laughs> and so I thought this is cool and um, really caught the bug then. I really enjoyed the exercise science and the fitness side a lot more than engineering and decided to switch careers uh, back in, you know, 1988, something like that. So you, you switched careers before a lot of the listeners were born into yeah, the fitness probably, world. Probably, but, uh, yeah, probably, yeah. So I, I was doing it before there was even personal training certifications. Yeah, back in the day when it was just like, hey, you're in shape, train me, you know, yeah. circa... <laughs> Right. Lee Haney, Lee Haney, yeah. right back. Yeah, then. it was it was uh, Muscle and Fitness, you know, it was the hot magazine, and it was a lot of bodybuilding, and and uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I was coming from. Except that, you know, I was doing a lot of calisthenics because of the way the Navy trained trained me, um, and and made me fit for Navy qualifications. Um, but still, you know, we were working out with weights, and that's that's what we did. And uh, in fact, we were even uh, our submarine was uh, featured in, I think, the 1986 version of Muscle and Fitness, where they took a little picture of us all sitting on the submarine um, brow coming across posing. the sub. Yeah, posing. The Joe Weider pose, or six or seven of us. And, and one of the guys sent in the story, and they loved it, took a picture, and did a little spiel on it. So, yeah. So, it's been a while I've been in the field. So well, you know, 32 years later, yeah. your your goal now is to educate the trainers, the coaches of the world on how to sell. Yeah, yeah, because, you know. What's the biggest challenge that you, you... Yeah, it was, well, I, you know, I kind of decided once I wanted to get into that field in business, you know, I had, I had to figure out how to make money. I, you know, it's one thing to say I'm a fitness guy and I exercise and sure, I'll help you get in shape, but, you know, to make a living at it full time, uh, that's a different story. Now, you know, my father was a professional salesperson. That's, that's what he did. Um, he started the insure line for Abbott Labs, right? And, and so, I, you know, I'd always kind of been around the sales process uh, and started to self-educate, went to some seminars, you know, did the Norman Vincent Peale stuff and a bunch of salespeople and just tried to figure it out. Uh, took some Sandler sales courses and just kind of piecemealed and put together kind of my version of a sales process using all those bits and pieces. And it worked, you know, the, the structure worked. Other people wanted to know how I was doing, what I was doing. And, and, you know, I teach courses, continuing ed courses across the continuum of exercise science and pain and exercise and corrective stuff, if you want to call it that. Um, but the selling part was really what people seemed a lot more interested in because that's, that's how they make money. If you don't know how to make money, uh, I don't care how many degrees you have, how much experience you have. I, it doesn't matter because no one's going to hire you, you know, and, and I, I, I see so many people still that are passionate about what they do. They love the exercise field. It's a great field. You get to really help people. Um, profoundly in their quality of life, mental health. I mean, it's important, but they just struggle desperately to, to make money doing it. And it's, it's not necessary and it's a shame. Yeah, I'm sure there's 
many fantastic trainers out there that no one knows about simply because they don't know how to sell. And I think for some reason in the training world, in the fitness world, the idea of selling gets a really bad reputation and has a bad connotation to it in the sense that, you know, we shouldn't have to sell and, and it's, you know, you don't want to be a car salesman, but like you're saying, and, and I firmly agree, it doesn't matter how good you are if you have zero clients. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And, so, and I agree with you. I mean, the whole front, the whole front end of the sales course that I teach selling interviewing for exercise professional, um, you know, I go over the history of selling and why it's perceived so terribly by both the salespeople and the consumer. I mean, I, there's no doubt it's not perceived in a healthy way. And, and who wants to, you know, be a cheesy clown selling stuff? Nobody. Right. Um, and so I understand that. And so that's why the way I constructed the course and the content and framed it is it's really not selling at all. In fact, that word is a bad word. Um, it's, it's just interviewing to make decisions really is what it is. It's just a, a progressive process of little decisions that have to be made and you have to interview somebody. So it's not really selling. It's more interviewing and discussion about whether or not there's a fit or a match between the provider and the consumer and what they need. That's really what it is. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? You say you mentioned in the course, where does that negative connotation stem from in the, in the world of selling? I mean, it started back in the 1800s in, the, in, in North America with, you know, those peddlers and snake oil salespeople walking around with their briefcase full of snake oil and selling it and making all kinds of crazy claims and it can fix everything um, and cure everything and then leaving and people realize they just got scammed. And it just kept going from there. I think uh, um, companies were desperate. They, they just didn't want to wait anymore for people to call them up. Uh, and so they had to figure out how to train people to go out and, and market their products. And they needed, you know, branding and mascots and, you know, how to make it sound good, you know, features and benefits selling and the dog and pony show. All these techniques got developed, you know, to try to try to hook the the emotional state of the consumer uh, in the short term, not really caring whether or not the product or service really benefited them. They didn't care. And over time, the consumers got fed up. They got sick of being screwed by salespeople, selling them stuff they didn't really need and overselling them and all the pressure, right? Salespeople aren't well-trained. And so they're putting tons of pressure. You know, I remember there was a Bally's Health and Fitness here when I first got back to Columbus and they use crazy techniques, dude. I mean, you know, if you didn't say yes today, you know, they want you to give them their, your watch. So they come back, you know, and they call your parents, you know, or your partner. It was just insane. Right. And, and, and that's unfortunate. So that's, that's one of the reasons I think um, that people negatively perceive selling and at least on the consumer side, on the salesperson side, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't have competency, you just get beat up every day. I mean, it's brutal. Well, something you said that I think makes a lot of sense is it's not necessarily selling, it's interviewing. And I think part of that is as trainers or as coaches in the CrossFit world, we assume everyone is a great fit for us. It's and nice. that's probably not the case, right? It has to, 
it, they have to want it and you have to be the right coach. And we have to be able to say, you know, to basically potentially turn down money and say, I'm not the best fit for you or you're not the best fit for me. And it's probably hard to turn down that money. But at the same time, if, if you do that and you develop the right clientele base, you're going to get better word of mouth and ultimately better sales. And if we can reframe that thinking of selling to interviewing, sounds like you don't have that negative feeling associated with it. Correct. Yeah. It's a, it's a mutual yes or a mutual no is legitimate, right? This idea that everyone you meet must be sold. Everyone you meet must give you money. It's, it's not only ridiculous, it's unethical. Because, because there are many people who shouldn't be in your gym. They, they, they shouldn't be there. They're not a good fit. They're not a good match. And, you know, I've, I've trained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of exercise professionals over the years. And they tell me they have a, a bunch of people in their practice they don't like, they don't want. It's like pulling teeth, right? And it makes your no fun. It makes your career no fun when, you know, you got a bunch of people you're working with who don't respect you, don't respect your time. Uh, they don't really do what you want They cancel last minute. They, you know, it's like, what the heck? So we're really talking about a high quality practice. I, I mean, I get to choose as much as they do, whether or not I want them in my world. Right. I, you know, I'm the one that's got to show up too. you know, and I don't mind one or two people leaking in there that just like, Oh boy, they're going to be a pain in the butt, but to have a full practice and, and the, and the pressure to make money and meet quotas, you know, drives the price down and, and, and you get, you get it so inexpensive and so cheap, you know, that what's happened now is the modern consumer looks at a CrossFit coach or some other kind of coach or fitness person as a commodity. You're just a banana, right? A carton of milk, you know, you're just something you buy off a shelf and you're looking for the cheapest price, you know, and the most convenient thing. And, and um, the consumer loses on that as well. You know, they don't get to, understand and find high quality coaching and understand the real value of that and that it's worth more money uh, to have a high quality coach. And so coaches aren't even perceived as a professional deserving of, of that. They're looked at as a commodity. What, what do you think are some of the most important questions a coach should be asking a potential client? And I'm sure there's, there's a lot yeah, a of them, right? and, you, and you go through your course and you learn those, but are there, if, if someone's listening to this and, and they, they want to improve their ability, do you have, do you have two or three that typically do really well that can weed out those that aren't going to be a good fit or. Yeah. Well, yeah. What I teach is, is what's called the past, present, future, you know, approach in the sense that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's two things about value, right? Value is perception and value is emotion combined with an actual physical need, right? And so one, you have to find out what the value proposition is. And it's a combination of their emotional driver behind whatever physical change they want. Nobody's hiring a CrossFit coach to lose weight. Nobody. They say that, right? They say, I want to lose weight, right? Well, what does that even mean? You know, you could go to a, a, a liposuction surgeon, you lose weight. I, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? Right. What if I made you heavier, but you looked better? 
I mean, what, what, you know, it, it's the wrong question, right? And, and the question is, why does someone want to lose weight? It has nothing to do with the number on the scale, typically. What does it have to do with? How they look, right? How they feel. Now, there could be other disease reasons, right? They could have high blood pressure, diabetes, right? And clearly body mass index is, is correlated with exacerbating these conditions, if not causing some of them. And so they might want to lose some body mass in order to cut their blood pressure back or reduce their reliance on drugs and, and not be diabetic type two anymore. Um, and that's legitimate as well. But really why people are hiring a coach is to resolve an emotional concern or problem. That, that's why. They're embarrassed in a bathing suit. They don't want to die young like their father, right? They, they, they don't want to see you know the demise of their physical health like they saw their sister or some neighbor, right? didn't take care of themselves and and they're afraid so you know i teach people about the basic emotions and and the past is about sadness right sadness is about the past anger and happiness is about the future happiness means no change needed i'm happy i'm okay i'm satisfied anger means you want to change something and fear is about the future and because people are hiring the coach for something that doesn't exist yet It'll only exist when? In the future. The, the change that they're saying I, I, I want to I have happen to me won't happen for months or years maybe, right? So they're paying for something in the future and most people are afraid of something in the future and they don't want that to, they don't want that to happen. Now, um, you know, you can ask questions, but really what you want to do is is you want to ask them questions about the questions they're asking you. That's what you want to find out. It's called the backstory, right? We want to find out the backstory. How is it that you even got here today? Why would you even bother looking up my phone number or looking at the web or whatever, and then bother to pick up the phone to actually speak to me? Why? Who cares? Why now? What's the big deal? Um, and you're going to find out about it because there's some, something about the future that they don't like, that they're afraid of. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm 42 now, Greg. Yeah. And I can tell you, when I was a trainer at Club Fit in Jefferson Valley, New York at 16, 17, 18 years old, I didn't understand that. I didn't have any ability to be empathetic, whether you were 20 or 70, you know, you were going through the same Cybex circuit and you know, I've, I've learned so much over the years. Do you think there needs to be a certain level of maturity, which potentially comes with age to improve as a personal trainer or fitness coach? Yes. I mean, this is a problem in our industry. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because the barrier of entry is pretty, pretty low. It's pretty low. I mean, you want to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or a counselor, you, you know, you got to go through some serious academic rigor, right? You got to pass some tests. You, you know, you're going to get screened out about your commitment to this professional career. You know, I don't know what the dropout rate is, but I don't know how many people would go through medical school and get to the end and go, eh, nah, not doing it. You know, I, <laughs> I'm going to be a, I'm going to go be a, a Taco Bell, you know, general manager. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, so that's part of the problem. And is no shame in that. No shame in Taco Bell. No, 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 no shame in that, you know, but if you have a $500,000 education, right. Um, 
you're wondering why you wouldn't want to finish that, right? Um, especially as, yeah. as hard as it is to get in there. So again, this idea of value is relative to everybody. Nobody's, nobody's paying you again to lose weight, um, to get rid of a pain, to build a bunch of muscle um, for its own sake. There's another underlying driver for that, right? Uh, and so that's what you need to find out. And often the person hasn't ever said it out loud before to anybody. So you have to be a little patient with them. They've never actually. They might not even know, right? They might kind of be figuring it out. Float around back there, right? Which is why it's an interview and, and you need to kind of get into their space-time continuum a little bit and, and, and move with them and say, where you been? What's happened back there? How'd you get here? Where do you want to go? Where are you, where are you headed here? Why do you want to go there? Right? Because as a coach, the only thing you can really ask of someone is their commitment to show up and to work, whether or not they'll actually get the physiological changes they're asking for, we'll see, right? And this is one of the problems with the weight loss thing is, you can't control what someone's putting in their mouth. You can't do it. You're never gonna do it. They have to make a serious commitment on that side, right? You know, what you can control is what? What you do with them when they show up. That's about it. And, and the weight loss thing is, you know, once they lose the weight, they don't need you anymore. And if they don't lose the weight, they don't need you anymore. <laughs> so, you know, what now, what are you going to do, right? And so I think the modern professional exercise coach, um, and I say that in the broadest term possible, needs to reframe and rethink the way they think about themselves professionally. And that, and that I'm not just here as a short-term commodity to, you know, solve some short-term problem for you but I'm here to be your advocate and partner for the remainder of your life. As long as you live in this community using exercise and health tips and wellness coaching and whatever else you do so that they stay on track through all the phases of their physical existence, because that's going to change over time and they need an expert to help them with that. But if all you are is a Pez dispenser of exercises, you shouldn't get paid a lot for that. I love it. I love what you're saying. So thinking about it from the CrossFit perspective, if, if they're a, a trainer, you know, and they're working with people outside of class time and they're, you know, trying to get them better to meet their goals, how, how often should they be having these conversations that are digging deeper than just, you know, I want to lose weight? Well, it, it happens in the first contact, right? So I have to teach everybody what to do and not to do and what to say and not to say when someone calls you, walks in the door, sends you a text or email. Certain things you should do and not do, right? There's only one particular goal that you should be going for in each one of these steps that I teach, right? Um, and, you're, and they're always qualifying steps and decisions to see whether or not the next step should happen. But it begins right away and then in a face-to-face -face consultation, which is where it should really uh, happen, um, is where you're going to get all the big information. But then you're going to have to meet periodically, probably every few months with your client to say, okay, what's happening? Something changed? Something new? Where do you want to go? Are we, are we on track? You have to keep that regular um, tying in 
because, you know, I hear coaches that are in class, small group or one-on-one -on -one, and they, they're blown away when their client after six months just comes in one day and says, well, thanks. I'm not going to renew. Thanks a lot. Uh, uh, I'll see you later. Right? And it's just over. And they're like, what happened? You know, because what happened was they just got into the mode of what? Pez dispensing the exercise. Person showed up, squats, burpees, you know, deadlifts, hang cleans, go as hard as you can. Okay, good workout. High five. See you later. They do it again on Wednesday. How you doing? Okay, here we go. Back squats, deadlifts, right? Here. Okay, good job. See you later. Here we go. Right? And they just get into the, the, the mundane flow of that process and they forget that there's a psychological and emotional human being in front of them that could be going through any number of changes uh, and, and, and uh, reconsidering their existence and what they're doing and whatever's happening. And you need to be checking in with that periodically. Um, or again, they'll just look at you as someone who just dispenses exercises, counts time, watches the time and reps, and that's it. Yeah, and I think that's really important for CrossFit coaches to hear because, you know, whether they're young or they're, you know, they just haven't developed that ability to connect and, and ask those deeper questions. CrossFit has this, you know, notoriously, uh, you know, we, we call it intensity. And it's like, hey, three, two, one, go. And like you're saying, go, go, go. And it's important to be able to connect with your clients because not every day needs to be go, go, go or should be go, go, go. And and your client's going to look at you like, hey, you're the boss. I'm going to do what you say. But you need to be able to ask the questions to find out, hey, is today one of those days where I have to just slow them down? You know, they're stressed at work or you know, going through personal things, et cetera. And, and those are the ways that you wind up connecting and keeping a client long term. I mean, I, I, the, the connections I've made with clients over the years, whether it's, you know, I've been the best man at numerous weddings and, you know, invited to all sorts of life events because you, I mean, you, you connect with people and then you need to, your ability to listen to them is, is equally important to your ability to train them. That's what coaching is, right? I, you know, I mean, you want to call yourself a coach, well coach, right? If not, you're the Pez dispenser. You're just, here's the list of movements to do today. I, okay, great work. See you later, you know, and it's over. And, you know, if the person hasn't slept for two days and, they haven't eaten right. I, you know, I, yeah, they're not going to feel good after they don't have active recovery intervals built in. They're not going to feel good after a while. And they're just going to say, look, I yeah, and it, yeah. And that goes back to that age, you know, if you're 18, 22, maybe even 30 and you can train like a lunatic seven days a week, you need to be able to understand, Hey, I'm 42 or, you know, she's 52. And they can't do what you can do. And like you just referred to, whether it's, Hey, I want you to come in, but guess what? We're not going super hard today. We're treating this as an act of recovery because you wouldn't do this without me telling you to. And I think so often we think, you know, if, if I'm training someone, it needs to be all out and they need to get their butt kicked, but not always. Not always. Right. Everyone has a different coping process, let alone a physiological adaptation window based on genetic drivers, dietary drivers, right? All kinds of things, right? So um, you gotta be really careful. And it's a tough problem because, you know, exercising in group settings has a very powerful social construct to it. It's very motivating. There's, there's accountability, right? If it's a solid group, everyone's encouraging each other. This is, this is good. 
but to think that every human physiological um, process is adapting at the same rates, that's simply not true. It'll never be true. And so you got to be on your game uh, with these individuals, um, even in group, in group settings, you know, so, because uh, if not, you'll smoke them. They'll be burned out real fast. Well, I love it, Greg. I think it's really important that, that CrossFit coaches and any fitness trainer alike, you know, decides to learn more about selling because without it, like you said, it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, whether you're, you're trying to grow your gym or your one-on-one -on -one business, you need to check this out. So can you tell the listeners where they can find out more information about everything you have to offer? Yeah, you can go to um, uh, www.exerciseproed.com. It's a website. Uh, it's got a bunch of different courses on it, and you can see on there uh, the Selling or Interviewing for Exercise Professionals course. It's available online, the course. You can take it online at, at you know, whatever rate you want and, um, uh, and get a real system so that you can develop a high-quality practice um, of you know, potentially lifelong professional relationships so that you're not under the gun all the time having to sell because so many people are dropping off. I mean, you get a nice, you know, 50, 60 people that you're managing across the lifespan. Uh, you got a career. It's awesome. That's high, high quality practice. That's right. You know, it doesn't take much to get there. If this is something you're interested in and you truly want to make fitness your career, you can do it. I mean, you take courses like this, you learn more. It's, it's, it's possible. I think, you know, we, we let other people's ideas about this influence us when if this is something you really want to commit to, take a course, learn how to sell better, learn how to interview. Right. And I think you're going to wind up, you know, 50 or 60 clients may seem like a lot, but you do a good job. They're going to just slowly come in. Correct. Yep. That's it. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, Greg. I appreciate your patience with my schedule and I'll have to give Chris a text and let him know that uh, uh, it, was, yeah. it was a great, great time. So thanks again. We'll direct people to exerciseproed.com and, you know, find those courses and, and hopefully it'll help people, you know, become better interviewers and ultimately grow their career. Great. Thank you, Jason. Been my pleasure. Thank you. Oops. Trying to figure out who it's. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.